we all can agree right now, the world we live in, it's a battle. And what you need is you need your brothers for the battle. That's what you need. You need some wise guys alongside of you to pray for you, to walk with you, to encourage you, to help you navigate what is a really complex time in our nation and particularly in the lives of men and their families. And so I just wanna thank those who are joining us online thousands all over the world. I wanna say to those pastors online who are watching us, as you are struggling with ministry and trying to figure out how do we get leaders? How do we get momentum? How do we get resources? The answer to all those questions is the same, get the men. If you get the men, you get the momentum. If you get the men, you get the resources. If you get the men, you get the leaders. If you get the men, you win the war. And so for those, of the, those who are watching online, if you're a senior pastor and you wanna kickstart men's ministry at your church, just let us know. We'll bring you out to Scottsdale, Arizona. We will meet with you and our team. You will join us and our men. We will give you everything that we are doing so that you can go back and do it in your church if you're a senior pastor at your church. And we will do it at our expense as a gift to you as the senior pastor of that church. And these men want to see you love and serve your men, amen? amen. We wanna help all churches strengthen all men. And so the reason that we're getting together, it's just like Daniel going into Babylon with a few buddies or Jesus sending out his disciples two by two. Uh, men are stronger and better together. And that's why we're here. And I just wanna encourage you, men, last week alone, these are some things that just to highlight what God did, and then we'll get into our talk. Last week, we had many dozens of men, brand new to the Valley, first or second week. We're in the fastest growing city and county in America. Those men showed up here because they heard, if you wanna be a good man and you wanna make some good friends with other good men, you need to get to real men. And so those guys showed up, they got plugged in, connected. And if you're new to the Valley, welcome. And if you're from some crazy left-leaning city, congratulations, you moved. Uh, in addition, a lot of guys last week, I think we gave out uh, maybe two handfuls of Bibles, real nice Bibles, to guys who got their first ever Bible. If you're brand new and you don't have a good Bible, you need one, and we're the Bible guys. We'll give you a Bible, let your table lead know, and we'll hand them out before you go. We also had at least half a dozen guys in this group last week get engaged, okay? <laughs> to a girl. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah, lots to... Lots to celebrate there. We're really excited about that and praying for you guys. Uh, in addition, uh, last week we had multiple men in this group give birth to a child. I know a few guys in this group last week gave birth, or they didn't, their wife did. They were just, they were just up in the bleachers watching, but their wife gave birth to their first child. And so we're welcoming new babies into the family of God. Let me encourage you younger men. Here's what I heard last week. We, we usually get some older guys. And now that I'm an older guy, I could say that. We're starting to get a lot more younger guys. And the younger guys showed up and a lot of them said, uh, it was awesome. First time I showed up and the older guys at my table, they prayed for me. They grabbed my information. They took me out to coffee. They took me out to lunch. I had half a dozen young guys in their 20s say, I've never had a dad. I was raised by a single mom last week. I think I picked up a dad. Is that good? That's awesome. So the reason that we got the younger guys with the older guys, like I've said, the younger guys have the energy, but they don't know what they're doing. And the older guys know what to do. We're just too tired to do it. So together, you kind of get the, uh, the sail and the rudder. The young guys provide the energy and the older guys provide the wisdom and direction. And so I wanna encourage and thank you older men that are picking up the younger guys, meeting with them, investing in them, and, and really caring for them. In addition, uh, this last week, we got reports from your wives. There were many, many men in this room who went home and for the first time 
ever, or at least in a long time, prayed with their wives. Prayed with their wives. I had two wives walk up on Sunday, two wives walk up on Sunday crying. I was like, what's wrong? And she said, my husband. I was like, okay, what did he do? And she said, no, it's good. He prayed for me. That's awesome. I was like, really? One lady said, I have been waiting for over 10 years for my husband to pray over me. And he came home and he prayed over me. She said, that's the first time he's ever prayed over me. That's a great spiritual breakthrough. And I'm just telling you, it makes date night better. There, 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 there's, a real good, there's a real good pot of gold at the end of that rainbow for you guys. I'm just telling you how this works. Uh, in addition, I heard from many guys last week, they walked out and they said, this is the first time in my whole life that I worshiped or just sang with men, just with men. There were multiple men here who had that first experience. Um, and, uh, one thing that encouraged me last week, I wanna encourage you guys, is I was standing in the back before you all exited, uh, the women's ministry with my wife Grace is in the back and the women got out early. The guys were still huddled up and praying for one another. And many of your wives walked in and I, I love standing in the back because they'll, they'll sort of peer around the corner like men's meeting, what, what are they doing? Are they, are they shooting bows and arrows? Are they eating meat? You know, is anyone fighting? They're not sure what they're walking into in the men's meeting. And they peer around the corner and multiple of your wives stopped in their tracks and just started bawling in the back of this room. And all of them, it was the same thing. I said, well, do you need me to go get your husband? They're like, no, no, he's praying with other men. Please don't stop him. I just wanna, I wanna see this. I'm telling you that men got unlocked, they got unleashed, they got unburdened and released last week. And it'll happen a bit at a time every week in the lives of men. And I know that there were multiple wives who drove in with no hope and they drove home with hope. There were wives who drove in and their husband wasn't praying with them. And they drove home with a husband who was praying for them. They drove in with a husband who didn't have a Bible and they drove home with a husband who did have a Bible, amen? amen. And so we're gonna celebrate the wins here and I just wanna encourage you guys. We're here to build men up. We're not here to beat men down. That being said, what I like to do is I like to give really long sermons on the weekend. So if you want a really long sermon, join us this weekend and bring a snack. And so uh, we're going through a book of the Bible called Romans. What I like to do for the men, and my heart is for you. I hope you guys know that. This is my favorite night of the week. I am all in, I love you, I'm here for you, I care for you. Pastor Darian, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Eden, Pastor Dustin, we have a 100% commitment to invest in the men because we believe that is the highest and best use of our time and energy. So we are here because you are a priority and we're very glad to have you. And I'll preach on the weekends. And then for men's, I give more of a practical leadership application to build you up as leaders. And then we spend time around tables, just sort of discussing. For some of you guys, this is new. It's where we talk and listen to one another. It'll be a brand new skill set. Take it home. Your wife's going to love hearing you learn this. And then we spend time praying for each other. And so if you have a prayer request, you can share it at the end. But the big three points from the sermon this week were pray, plan, and preach. So let me give the first one, pray. And I'm just going to do a flyby. Paul says first, so first things first, you got to start with prayer. Okay. Before you pick a wife, pray. Before you pick a church, pray. Before you pick a job, pray. Right. Before you make a major life decision, pray. Before you make a minor life decision, pray. Right? Before you go to discipline your kids, pray. Right? First, he says, start with prayer. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you without ceasing. I mention you 
in my prayers. Let me just say this. Most men are not good at praying, okay? How many of you, your wife, if you're married, she's better than you at praying. Is that true? Any of you married that girl? Here's why men struggle with prayer because oftentimes we don't understand God as father. And what he's saying there is uh, he's praying to God the father through Jesus Christ. And so for you and I as men, the key to prayer is not focusing on prayer. It's getting to know God as our father. When my kids were little, they would ask me questions all the time, tell me incredible details of their day, verbal process, bring me needs and burdens because I was their dad. They wouldn't have done that with a total stranger. They would only do that with their dad. Once God becomes for you a father and not a total stranger, you're gonna talk to him as a son, okay? And so for those of you guys that wanna grow in prayer, it's not so much learning how to pray, it's getting to know God as father and that you are his son and that your dad cares for you and he's there to help you. And so what Paul is saying here is that he's been praying for these people. And so you know, I mean, I said it on Sunday, but prayer can be art. Some of you are creatives. It could be journaling. Uh, it can be singing. When we sing songs, it's prayer. It could be praying out loud. It could be praying silently, for example, at work or in a meeting. Prayer builds your relationship with God and it builds your relationship with other people. And so what he is doing here is he's telling them that he is praying for them. Many of you men need to start praying and when you're praying, you need to also tell the people you're praying for. I'll give you one of the things that has absolutely been crucial, and I'm not saying I'm a perfect dad, but by God's grace, I've got some great kids. All five of my kids would tell you that I asked this question over and over and over and over and over and over. Who or what can I pray for? Who or what can I pray for? And then I'm quiet. Who or what can I pray for? And ultimately, if I just wait, my kids open their heart. My wife opens her heart. Well, you could pray for so-and-so or you could pray for this. And then my next question is, if they don't give me something for them, I ask, how can I also be praying for you? And what I find is that little simple question, it unlocks the heart of my wife and kids. Sometimes my kids will be like, well, Johnny's parents at school are getting divorced or Tony's dad is in the military and got deployed and we're not sure how to be friends with him in a distance and we love him. And all these different conversations open up. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. One of my kids said, well, one of my friends, their parents are getting divorced and I'm not sure what to say to my friend. And, and, and so I was like, okay, so now you're pastoring your friend whose parents are in divorce and now you've opened up to me. So not only am I gonna pray with you, I'm gonna coach you on how to pastor your friend. So you are, if you're a husband or a father, you are the pastor in your home. And by asking prayer requests, people will open up to you and when they do, you can give them some instruction, but then you can also pray for them, okay? I'll give you what this looks like uh, this week. My uh, oldest son, our oldest son, he started college, started college. So the night before he's packing and we're asking, what do you need? How can we love? How can we help? How can we serve? And then just kept asking, who or what can we pray for? Who or what can we pray for? And he told us. So his mom and I both laid hands on him and prayed over him. And if I'm totally honest, I kind of lost it. Why? My son's leaving. I remember when he was a little guy, now he's a big guy. 
We used to have five kids under our roof. My other son's getting ready to go next week. So pray for me and Grace. We'll probably be dehydrated. We're crying a bit at the Driscoll house. And it's tears of joy because they're off the payroll and launching. So that's all good. <laughs> but at the same time, I loved it when we had our little boys. I love playing wiffle ball. I love wrestling with my sons. My oldest daughter's already married to a great guy that we love. So, you know, we celebrate that. We're down to two kids here shortly at home. We had five, next week we'll be down to two. Question, when my son tells us his prayer requests for himself in school and his mom and I lay hands and pray over him and his dad is obviously emotional about it, what does that communicate to the kid? I love you, you're a blessing, I care for you. I've enjoyed all my days with you. I'm excited about your future, but I'm gonna miss having you around. Part of what we do in prayer, we open their heart, we also open our heart. We get to see what's in their heart and they get to see what's in our heart. How many of you, if your dad would have prayed over you, that would have changed everything? Because your dad, sometimes he can't afford to fix it or he doesn't know how to solve it. But if he prays and cares and invites God into it, that's good enough. That's what Paul is doing here, okay? So for you men, my question would be, uh, how's your prayer life? And if it's not good, you know, get to know God as Father, start asking the people around you, who or what can I be praying for and how can I be praying for you? And I was in uh, Montana with my wife, Grace, and we did a vision retreat, I'll share that in a minute. And I asked her, um, I said, honey, what can I do better? She said, you could pray for me more. Okay, how many of you would think that I pray enough? Because that's what I think, I'm a professional. I feel like I pray plenty. I pray all the time, but here's what my wife said, more prayer. More prayer. You know what that means? Probably all wives need more prayer. Okay, and if you're gonna err, err on the side of what? I prayed over my wife too much. You wanna get to the point where she's like, I feel so loved by you and Jesus, please stop. And just so you know, I've never heard a woman arrive at that point. <laughs> and some of you guys, you struggle to lead your wife, you struggle to lead your kids. You're not, I'm not sure how to be the head of household leader. Here's really simple. I'm here, my phone is off, I'm paying attention. Who or what can I pray for? How can I pray for you? Let me pray for you. That's where you begin to be the leader practically in your home. And I think many times men have the want to, they don't have the how to. Let me tell you, the how to is a lot simpler than you would think. Paul says, first, just start by praying. Start by praying. And as you do, he says to pray with thanksgiving, okay? So if you don't know how to sort of prime the pump of your prayer life, thanksgiving. We call these thankful prayers at the Driscoll house. Whenever we get together for dinner, almost all the time, I sit at the head of the table and I direct the conversation. Who or what can we pray for? And I let the kids talk. How can we pray for you? I let the kids talk. I don't let them criticize one another. I don't let them roast one another. My table is where I set the culture of the kingdom of God and I'm discipling my kids and my family. And then ultimately I'll ask, so who has thankful prayers? And thankful prayers are, what are you thankful for? And it's not that we fold our hands and we pray, we just speak out loud. So we did it last night. We were sitting outside, the weather permitted, and um, three of the five kids were home for dinner. And what are you thankful for? And we sat there for an hour and 15 minutes. Some of you are like, I can't get my kids to talk. Yes, you can. 
When I asked thankful prayers, I started by sharing the things that I was thankful for. I'm thankful that I love my wife with all my heart. And as our kids are launching, we have a good relationship. We're not in crisis. I told the kids, I love you. I'm gonna miss you, but don't worry about me. I'll be fine. I got your mom. What we can do now is go on dates. And unlike when we started, we have money. So I think we're gonna go on better dates than before you arrived. That's kind of my go-to plan, okay? And I talked about how thankful I am for our church family and how thankful I am for many of the people in my life and things that God is doing and specific ways that God is providing. And then I said, okay, who wants to go next? And then each member of my family just started, hey, I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for that. And I'm looking forward to this and I'm excited about that. I kid you not, we sat there for an hour and 15 minutes just sharing all the things we're thankful for. And what that does, it, it allows us to start to see God's provision in our life. So then when we go to make requests, we're making requests to the God who is good and already met a lot of other requests. So I started even asking the Grace and the kids around the dinner table, I was like, they'd say, well, I'm thankful for this. And I would start reminding them, do you remember when we prayed for that? Do you remember when we prayed for your spouse? Well, now you're engaged, one of my sons. Do you remember when we prayed for your college? And now you're starting college. Do you remember when we prayed that God would give you a ministry opportunity? Now you're a junior intern at the church. And I'm starting to connect their current thankfulness with their previous prayer requests. Okay, and what this does in your family, this will start to set an environment in your home. How many of you, dinner time didn't exist or everybody was on their phone or they started arguing or it turned into a Comedy Central roast? Nope, we're not doing that. Okay. And what Paul is doing here early in the letter, he's functioning like a spiritual father and he's setting the tone for the relationship. He's building the culture and the environment. So thanksgiving, and let me say this, dad, if you're a husband or father, you can absolutely change the temperature in your home, right? You should be the thermostat, not the thermometer. You should not reflect the temperature as dad, you should set the temperature. And you could change the temperature in your home just by being thankful. And if you don't know where to start, let me tell you one of the most powerful things you can do. Just lay hands on your wife and pray only what you're thankful for. Go to your kid, lay hands and pray over them, only what you're thankful for. Go to your next kid, lay hands and pray over them, only what you're thankful for. How many of you, that would have changed your life? Okay. And then what happens is they know that you love them, that you appreciate them, that you care for them, and then when they're struggling with something, they're probably gonna bring it to you because you're the person who's for them, okay? I've been asking this question of my son since he was a little boy. Who can I pray for? What can I pray for? How can I pray for you? What can I do for you? My son just got engaged, he's 21. I love him, I'm really proud of him. And here's what brought me to tears. Um, I said, Zach, I am so thankful for you. And I laid hands and I prayed over him, the things that I was thankful for. And uh, he looked at me and he said, dad, I love you. And he said, thank you that ever since I was a little boy of everybody on the earth, you're the first person in line who's for me. Okay. As a dad, I wanna be the first guy in line who's for you. I don't wanna be the first guy in line to criticize you. And I don't wanna be the first guy in line to oppose you. I wanna be the first guy in line who is for you. Satan and demons, they've already got the against you part covered. Okay, that's already covered. We don't need that job, dad, that's already covered. 
But he came to that conclusion because ever since he was a little boy, I prayed over him. And now we're getting to the point, it's pretty cool, my sons pray over me. Because they're no longer my little boys, they're men. And men pray for each other. Dads pray for their sons, but men pray for each other. And he says to pray without ceasing. What this means is you can pray anytime. You could be driving to work and have anxiety about a meeting coming up that day. Father, I'm gonna talk to you about this right now before I get in. You may be in the middle of a big, important decision at work. You're like, before I make this decision, I'll tell you what, guys, I need a five minute smoke break. And you don't smoke, you pray. So you're, you're gonna go out and you're gonna talk to God about that before you go in and make the decision. For some of you, you're gonna feel yourself getting really emotional, maybe in an argument with your wife. You say, you know what, before I talk to you, I gotta go talk to him. Before you and I work this issue out, he and I gotta work this issue out. Like, I gotta go talk to your dad before I talk to you and I gotta make sure that I get from your dad what I'm supposed to say to you and the tone I'm supposed to say it. What this means is as a man throughout the course of life, just any time is a time to pray. Any time is a time to pray. And so you prime the pump by praying prayers of thanksgiving, you build relationships by praying and you pray without ceasing, it's anything in life. Number two, then plan. Okay, this is where Paul is going, praying and planning, praying and planning. Planning, here's his plan. And he's planned to go visit them in Rome, but his plans have been thwarted. How many of you men have made plans that you feel like are good godly plans, but they haven't come together, right? Yeah, one guy said, 2020, welcome to 2020. Some of you are like, I had a good plan and then the feces and fan interface and my plan has not come together. Welcome to 2020. You'll get that joke on the way home. Welcome to 2020. What Paul has, he has plans that haven't come together yet. And he's a godly man filled with the spirit. And his plan is to get to Spain. He tells this at the end of chapter 15 in Romans. Does he ever make it to Spain to fulfill his vision of planting churches? No. So here's the big idea. God could even give you a vision in your heart that is bigger than your life. And just because he hasn't yet provided doesn't mean it's not his will. And I believe, men, that you need to have a vision for your life that's bigger than your life. The worst thing a man can do is just sort of retire and have no reason to get up in the morning. Physically, you literally start to die and you become grumpy and fat. And so that's really not the end zone. You don't wanna get fatter and grumpier and then stand before Jesus, right? You wanna run through the tape at the end. What Paul is planning, he's planning a vision for his life that is bigger than his life. He's actually gonna be murdered before he can execute it. But the point is that a man needs a God-sized vision to chase in his life. He's gotta have something to chase. Here's his plan. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And again, he wants to go strengthen and encourage them. The reason that we're together is to strengthen and encourage one another, okay? That is that we may be mutually encouraged. That is our hope, that is our prayer, that is our design for our time together as real men. Mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And how many of you just getting in a room with other men that are like-minded, it's mutually encouraging. See, here's what I heard from a lot of guys last week. They're like, I found my people. They're like, I go to work and they're not, yay, Jesus, yay, marriage, yay, kids. I come here and they're like, yay, Jesus, yay, marriage, yay, kids. I found my guys. I found the guys that have the same spirit, read the same book, follow the same Lord and are trying to figure out the same life, okay? 
mutually encouraging. Everywhere you go, you're gonna get beat down. You come here, we want you to get built up. That's mutually encouraged. By each other's faith, both yours and mine, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. I've often intended to come to you. It's like, I've made a lot of plans, but thus far have been prevented. So here, what he's talking about is praying and planning. And as a leader, this is a leadership principle for all Christians, but especially for you men. And Paul's called to the Jew, then the Gentile. I'm called to men, then women and children. My first call is to men, because if you can get the men right, then they can bless and benefit women and children. At too many churches, the focus and the emphasis is, let's make an amazing children's ministry, amazing student ministry, amazing women's ministry, because the men are not involved in the lives of their wives and kids. Mine is, let's get amazing men and send them home and see how happy their wives and kids are, okay? And so what he's talking about here, he's talking about having an intentional plan, okay? So what I would say is this, how many of you, you're stronger on the prayer side? How many of you guys are stronger on the prayer side than the planning side? You guys? Okay, some of you. How many of you, you're way stronger on the planning side than you are the prayer side, okay? And the goal is you gotta be both. Think of it like a guy in a boat with two oars. If all he does is pray, 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 we've met those guys, okay? Those are our Pentecostal brothers. We love them, but they're just like, I love the Lord and I sing and I pray and I trust him. Where are you going? I don't know, but it's so exciting. Okay, welcome, okay? You're moving in a circle. That's not progress, that's exhausting. How many of you guys, you plan, but you didn't really pray about it? And all of a sudden you didn't get God's plan and you're really rowing with one arm because you're like, God, why is this so hard? Why is life not working? Why do you not show up? Why do you not provide? And God would say, cause that's not my plan. I'm not in your boat, you're in mine and I'm not rowing your plan. You need to be rowing mine. What prayer and planning does, it's okay, God, what is your will? And how are we gonna do it? That's how this works, okay? And uh, how many of you are married and your wife is totally different than you? Okay, you have two options here. Uh, this could be a point of frustration or strength. Okay, Eileen, plan. I like plans. My wife prays. We, we both play and pray and plan. And I just prophesy too, we play. I'm just gonna prophesy that. Uh, we, both, we both pray and plan, but she will pray hard and plan less I will, pray, I will pray quick, hey Lord, we're good, right? Okay, and then really double down on the plan. Scheduling, budgets, sequencing, architecting. That's what I like, okay? We're better together. My wife used to drive me crazy before I got married. First married. I'd be like, babe, here's a plan. She's like, how much did you pray about it? I was like, it's a great plan. You know, I... I <laughs> I ran all the variables, I considered the downside, I ran the numbers, I looked at the schedule, I left the margin for error. You're pretty blessed to be with a guy like me, you know? <laughs> She'd be like, how much did you pray about? I was like, well, I asked God to bless it. She's like, that's not a prayer. I was like, you're right, I should have started. Because what happens if you start with planning and then go to prayer? God, here's what I'm doing, please bless it. If he's the Lord, we should start by asking the Lord in prayer what he wants and then planning to obey him. Does that make sense? How many of you guys, the worst 
decisions you've ever made, you didn't pray much, but you thought you had a good plan and you were wrong. Okay? We've all done that. We've all done that. Let me give you uh, one practical example. Um, so Grace and I, and I love my girl with all my heart. The older we get, the more I love her. And I'll just tell you young married guys, marriage can be amazing and awesome and don't let the false prophets discourage you, okay? Um, the Bible says to delight in the wife of your youth. And that means when you're old, you love her more than when you started. And it doesn't mean you didn't love her when you started. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, Grace and I, we got together for a marriage vision retreat. Let me tell you what this prayer and planning looks like very, very practically. Most of fights in a marriage is because there's not an architecting plan for the marriage. Most of your life is lived in your life. You need to work on your life. Most of your companies have got a mission statement, vision statement, values, and then the details get architected and orchestrated according to those overarching principles, but our families tend to lack that. So what Grace and I like to do, we like to do a prayer and vision retreat. We've done these over the years. Uh, pastor Jimmy Evans at Marriage Today, one of our overseers and one of our pastors here at the church, he's got a whole curriculum through Marriage Today. You download it, you watch little videos with Jimmy. I love Jimmy, he's the best. He covered the pulpit for me on video recently. They're in three sections. So we'd watch the videos. We called them first, second, and third Jimmy. So we'd watch first, second, and third Jimmy. And he'd give these little coaching points. And then he'd say, okay, pray with your wife about this and then fill in your homework and talk about it. The whole week, and you could do it in two or three days, you spend time in the morning praying specifically for your finances, for your sexuality, for your schedule, for your extended family, for each of your kids. Then each of you individually write out, what do you feel like the Lord's plan is for you? And then you share it and you pray together and you work on a joint plan so that you have one vision for your life because the problem is division literally means two visions. So if husband and wife don't agree, it's over. Jesus said a house divided falls down, can't stand up. So for Grace and I, if we're gonna be one, uh, we need to have one mind, one schedule, one budget, one plan so we can live one life, sleep in one bed, worship one God, attend one church and go to one eternity. Like we need to sync all this up. And the problem can be that if you don't seek in prayer God's vision and then have a plan that you agree on, what happens in the marriage, the more domineering personality sets the agenda. If the husband is the strong personality, then he makes the plan. If the wife is the stronger personality, she makes the plan. And neither of which really leads to unity and neither of which is probably God's plan. Many marriages are, who's gonna win, who's gonna lose? What we do in prayer, we both surrender and we say, okay, Lord, you tell us what you want. Tell me, tell them, and we're gonna pray together. We're gonna ask for your vision. What do you want? And then we're gonna plan so that together in agreement and alignment, we can obey you. If you will come to pray and plan for your life with your wife, you will have far less fighting and arguing in your life with your wife. And so if you're fighting a lot, you need to stop fighting and pull back and pray and plan. Seek God's will and then sequence it so that you can execute it. So Grace and I walked away and we have a plan for our finances, for our children, and it's all open-handed, God can change it. But to be honest with you, I'm gonna turn 50 here in a few weeks. I am 
in the best season of my whole life, the happiest I've ever been. I feel closer to my wife than at any point in our life. I feel very unified in what we're gonna do with each of the five kids. I feel totally aligned on what we're gonna do with the church. I feel very confident about what our financial plan is. And I feel closer and more grateful for my wife than at any time in my entire existence, okay? And I'm just telling you, I want that for you. I'm not saying we are perfect. I mean, maybe Grace is, I know I'm not. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, I am just wanting to give you some hope that life can be great. And that if you will pray and plan, life is not perfect, but it can be awesome. It can be awesome. In my life, I'll be honest with you, it's awesome. Like it is an amazing season filled with blessing and joy. Cause here's what I believe. If you will pray and plan for God's vision, don't be shocked to then see God's provision. God's vision precedes God's provision. How many of you, you're a dad, and if your kid comes and says, dad, help me figure out what to do with life or school or sports or engagement or business, and they're humble and they're teachable and they're taking notes and they're listening, and they say, okay, great, that sounds great, dad. Thank you for the wise counsel, that's what I'm gonna do. How many of you are gonna help them? God's a father, he's gonna help the sons who are pursuing his vision and he will pour out provision. Okay, now I'll give you one final example of what this looks like. I shared a little bit on Sunday. End of last year, church is growing, things are going good. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, Lord, do we, do we maximize Scottsdale? Do we add a campus? Do we get a bigger campus? I start looking at dirt, just running all my, my plans, my plans but I didn't agree to anything and I didn't spend anything and I didn't sign anything. I'm just doing a little, little research. How many of you? A little research. You're like, I just need a little data. I believe in God and data. So I need a little data, okay? So then I prayed and I felt like the father said, son, this is not the time to take on a real estate project. This is not a time to take on debt. This is not a time to take on risk. You need to upgrade all the technology. You need to make some improvements on the property. I'm gonna grow Scottsdale. You need to consider that your trunk until you hear otherwise from me. And so we made plans to make property improvements. We made plans to make capital improvements. And I remember asking the Lord, Lord, how in the world are we gonna get this work done when we're open every Sunday? <laughs> and the father said, son, you're gonna have time. Boom, we're closed for some weeks just enough time that we already had all the plans. The people had generously given all the money. We had everything sequenced. Next thing you know, we're not open. So guess what we get to do? All the work on the building that we couldn't do if we were open. Right before it all hit, I uh, was praying and I felt like the Lord said, you're gonna need to really multiply your ministry online. So you're gonna need new sound, light, video, technology. It needs to be a major technology upgrade. I was like, Father, how are we gonna pay for that? This was back in like February before the world was shut down. It was even before that, I think it was December, January, sometime back. And he said, uh, you're supposed to be out of the pulpit on this Sunday. And he showed me a date on the calendar. He said, I want you in the pulpit. A first time visitor will come. First time to that church, uh, somebody that I knew. And he said, uh, he's gonna write a check and he's gonna pay for all the new sound light video and he's gonna get all the technology set up. So I told Grace and the team, God says, stay in Scottsdale, make plans for construction, make plans for technology. We don't have any of the provision. We don't have the money. But we prayed and we felt like that's what God said. Guess what? We made a plan for God's vision. Guess what we got? God's provision. The guy showed up, said, I'm paying for it. Next thing you know, we got all new sound light 
video, brand new technology, everything up to speed. COVID hits, churches closed. We're able to multiply online while we're working on the building, paying cash for everything, reopen up and explode. Now here would have been my plan. Let's take on a project. That would have not been a brilliant idea, okay? But again, my plan made perfect sense, but I don't know the future. If I ask the one who knows the future, his plan is gonna be a much better plan because he has data that I don't have. So what I'm telling you is, when you go to the men's restroom tonight, that's a miracle, okay? Not that you're going to the restroom. For some of you, maybe it is. We'll pray for you later. But the fact is that we have a restroom or we have new HVAC or we have new technology. The fact that things are, some of you guys just walked in and you don't know that, you know, less than a year ago, none of this existed. And in the worst crisis, leadership crisis that many men have ever been through, we've had the most successful increase of our entire four-year history. Pray, plan. Pray, plan. And in this, you need to do this for your family. You need to do this for your kids. You need to do this for your wives and you need to do it with them. Lastly, this will be my last point and then preach. The whole point is pray and plan so you can talk to people about Jesus, that's it. And I preach, so I yell, you can converse or hand out books or Bibles. It's just talking to people about Jesus. So I'm eager to preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. He quotes Habakkuk 2.4, we hit this all on Sunday. Uh, the righteous shall live by faith. He's hit it briefly. How do you get right with God? Trust, faith in Jesus Christ, who lived without sin. He's God, become a man. He lived without sin. He died on the cross in your place for your sins. And he rose to conquer Satan, sin, death, hell, and the wrath of God. He has gone before you into heaven. And if you believe in him, you're gonna be with him, okay? That's, that's the bottom line, it's Jesus. How do people get power from God? It comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do people get right with God? Through Jesus Christ. How do people get power from God? It's through Jesus Christ. Jesus takes your salvation to the Father and he sends the power down to you through the Holy Spirit. So then the last question is, how will people hear about Jesus Christ? You're gonna tell them. You're gonna tell them. God wants you to pray for people and plan so that your life leaves room for ministry to talk to people about Jesus, okay? So I want you men to be thinking, who, who can I be talking to about Jesus? I'll tell you a weird story. Uh, Grace just told me on the way in, actually just like an hour ago. She said there was uh, somebody at work and their coworker was having a hard day. They could tell they were having a hard day. And they didn't know if their coworker was a believer or unbeliever. They walked up and they said, uh, are you, uh, you know, how are you doing? No, I'm not doing good. They're like, well, can I pray for you? Yeah, that'd be great. And what you find is, people will let you pray for them even if they don't believe in God. So prayer sometimes is pre-evangelism. It's bringing God in. And sometimes God likes to show up and answer those prayers to prove to those people that he's real, okay? And then this person prayed for them and then they looked and they said, so what do you think about God? And they're like, I haven't been to church since I was like 12 or 13. I, uh, I don't know anything about God, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. 
good, honest answer. This person said, well, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? Praying, bringing Jesus in, inviting to church. I kid you not, this is a male coworker. And if this guy's here tonight, I'd love to meet you to buy your first Bible. He walked in, gave his life to Christ and walked out with his friend and said, I'm a Christian now. So, you know, so you could be working with someone and just say, hey, how can I pray for you? Would you like to go to church with me? And then the next week you're at work with a new Christian coworker, okay? So you and I, we get, we get to go tell people about Jesus. And here's the thing, we can't save people, but we can speak to people and Jesus decides who he's gonna save. So the burden's off us, it's between them and him, but the opportunity is for us to tell them about him. And I just, I know this, there are people in your life Some of them, they're hurting, you need to pray for them. Some of them are driving you crazy, you need to talk to them about Jesus. Some of them are self-destructing, you need to bring them to church. Some of them don't know what they're doing, you need to buy them a Bible and set God on them. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna break you into discussion groups, around tables, and time for prayer. Here are gonna be the questions based upon the talk. What are you thankful for? Let me ask you this. When's the last time you got together with a group of men and they weren't complaining? Right? Right now you get together, you're like, let's talk about politics and the Supreme Court and riots. And yeah, that'd be so fun. Let's not do that. Let's talk about what we're thankful for, okay? Most men, when they get together, they just complain. Oh, my wife. Uh, Oh, you think your wife is bad? My wife rides a broom to the grocery store. You know, like, hey man, let's, let's just pray thankful prayers, okay? How can we pray for you? What do you need prayer for? It could be whatever's going on. Number three, what plans are you working on or need to be working on? Some of you guys are like, I gotta find a job. Some of you are like, I gotta find a girl. Some of you guys are like, I gotta find a girl with a job. Well, we pray for you. Um, number four, <laughs> who do you need to pursue for Jesus Christ and what is the best way to do that? If, if, you, if they don't know Jesus, but you know Jesus and you know them, you might be the one to make the introduction. Is this one of your kids, coworkers, neighbors, friends, relatives? Um, who needs a Bible? Who needs to get invited to men's? Who get, needs to get invited to church? Who is that that God has put you relationally in proximity to so that you can introduce Jesus to, okay? I'm gonna pray for you and you guys are welcome to share around tables. If you don't wanna share, it's okay, there's no pressure. In addition, we like to huddle up and pray together. And our hope, prayer and goal is that if a man has a prayer request that he would be prayed for, that he would not leave here without being prayed for, okay? There's a lot of places you can go to get in trouble. This is where you come to get out of it, okay? Father, thanks for an opportunity to teach the men. God, I'm just thankful that I get to do this. I love men with all my heart. And God, I just know that even with the hundreds of men in this room, they're gonna get married and they're gonna have kids. That means thousands of people. And then their kids are gonna have grandkids. And that means tens of thousands of people. So Lord, even in this room tonight, we're talking about generations and tens of thousands of people who could hear about Jesus and learn to be thankful and learn to pray and learn to plan and learn to walk in your will and see your provision for your vision. And so Lord, because we love these men so deeply 
And because we care so much for their legacy, we now invite the Holy Spirit to have their conversations in time of prayer, to be a lifting of burdens, a giving of hope and encouragement, and a time to build men up in a world that beats them down. In Jesus' good name, amen. amen. Love you guys. Thank you.